Divisions no longer matter in the Pac-12. Why that's good news for the Oregon Ducks. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view if you're watching on YouTube every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks every single weekday. Like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching the show. Appreciate all of you out there, and I appreciate smart management on a conference level. You, you don't always have it. you know. I think we in the Pac-12 conference collectively have become a little accustomed to that with Larry Scott as the commissioner. There are a number of things. I don't need to go into all of them because he's no longer the man in charge. We have George Klyovkov now who has made his first, I think, a significant move as the conference commissioner. And that is that divisions no longer matter in the Pac-12. And what that means specifically is that as of this season, It will no longer be the winner of the Pac-12 North against the winner of the Pac-12 South. And I know I've been giving some commentary recently on here about like, oh, could Oregon win the North? And who are they going to come out? That doesn't matter anymore. It's now going to be a matchup in the Pac-12 championship game at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, which is a much better venue than Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, California. It will be a matchup between the two Pac-12 teams who have the highest conference winning percentage. So it will look like the Big 12 looks, just one just one through 12, whoever's the top or however many teams are actually in the Big 12. I always found that to be kind of funny. There's like 14 teams in the Big 10 or something, or the Big 12, you know, it, it is what it is. But the Pac-12 is actually 12 teams. So the two with the highest winning percentage will, will be the ones who go to the conference championship game. Now, this is a rule that was announced uh, very recently, just at some point earlier this week as I'm recording this on, what is it, Thursday? Yeah, thir- Thursday, I think, was announced yesterday, and I, I think this is a great move. I-, I think this is a great, great move. Uh, first of all, it's good news for the Ducks. It- it's good news for the Ducks because this will create better matchups in the Pac-12 championship game. Now, some of you might have, and I'm not saying that you're necessarily going to, but I just understand how you could have this point of view and say, well, what if they have you know, a really tough Stanford team that they have to play? A- and then... Instead of playing Stanford, you get to play a weaker team from the South some years. Isn't that a good thing? Yes and no. Yes, in that it creates an easier game for Oregon, but no, in that it's not as good of a look for the conference when you have, say, Oregon going up against a 6-6 six and six UCLA team in the 2011 Pac-12 championship game. Like that's not, that's not a great look for the conference. It's not as competitive a game. And your championship game, you know, looking at it from a conference perspective, should be one that... It is really a, a calling card for why recruits should go there, right? It, it's best of the best, and it should be a high-level competitive game with implications for, for both teams as it pertains to either a, a high-level bowl game or maybe even college football playoff. That's what you want if you're a conference looking at your, your football championship game. So I think having more interest and more hype in the conference is a good thing on the recruiting trail, and I think it will provide Oregon with an opportunity – not that they, they weren't having these chances already, but you, you just eliminate the possibility of having uh, the aforementioned season where you know one division is clearly stronger than the other. And I think it was shaping up to be the other way this year for the Ducks, where uh, the North was or the North is looking like it's going to be a lot weaker than the South, where you've got UCLA, you've got Utah, 
and you've got USC. And in the north, it's kind of Oregon and then a fight for second place between Oregon State and, and Washington State. So I, I think that that is a, an encouraging thing if you're a Ducks fan because you want to be able to put as many quality wins on your resume as you can. Because if you're trying to get to the college football playoff, which is what we all want Oregon to do here, right? You have to have a certain number of quality wins on your resume. And if you only get one or two of those opportunities during the course of the regular season, then the likelihood that you're going to get there in a relatively weak power five conference, like the PAC 12, the weakest of the power five right now, it's not as likely. It, it, it's just not as likely to happen because your schedule is is not going to be very strong compared to those of other conferences. So I think from that point of view, it's good. You get more interest in the conference championship games. I, I hope they can start playing it on a Saturday. I don't know why they play it on a Friday. It's 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 pretty ridiculous. But I think overall that that's one element that that's good for the Ducks. The other thing that comes into play here is scheduling, because right now the way that the Pac-12 scheduling works for those of you that don't know is. You play everybody in your division, and then you miss, quote-unquote, two teams from the uh, from the other division, right? So Oregon this year misses, I believe it's Arizona State and USC are the teams not on their schedule. They've got UCLA, they've got Utah, they've got Arizona. I, I don't think they have ASU, and I don't think they have USC. And, and so these teams you know, rotate throughout uh, over the course of a couple seasons, right? And you don't play this team for a couple of years, but then you don't play this team and, and it's, and those pairs get mismatched and, and such or matched up all over the place, wherever, where you want to put there. I don't even, anyway. Uh, so right now it, it's used, it, it's used to determine who you don't play in addition to who you do play. And what this means for Oregon is that from a scheduling perspective going forward, as of now, divisions are going to stand, they just won't mean anything as it pertains to the conference championship game, which I think is a good and a very logical thing, because why should a team that's in a crappy division get an added benefit if if there's a better team in the other division? Like that just doesn't make any sense. So I think this is a really good move from Klyovkov and, and his new administration. That's Pac-12 commissioner, George Klyovkov. I think right now what you have for Oregon is the possibility of missing teams that we've been used to playing every year since it became the Pac-12, right? Is Oregon could now go into season and not play a Stanford, a, a Washington, Washington State, anyone in the North, right? I don't think Oregon State will ever go away because the reason they're keeping divisions right now, and at least in the near distant future, like I could see them keeping it in 2023 as well, is because of the, the way that it's incorporated into the scheduling process. And figuring that out is a pretty big next step for the conference. Now, they have all summer to do that, right, to put the the rules and regulations and uh, guidelines and all that sort of stuff for, for the schools. But this is something that every ath athletic director and head coach voted in favor of. It was unanimous consent. Like, everybody agrees that this is a good idea. You just have to figure out how, how to do the scheduling because if you don't have that north-south differentiator, then you don't have a, a guaranteed – five games and then you work to see you know what your other four conference games are, are going to be in which two teams get left out uh, of the regular season conference slate and whatnot so I, I think that's a fascinating component that we could go a year and, and maybe miss a Stanford or a Washington who you know as programs are down right now but we've seen them at their peak we've seen them beat Oregon at times over the last several years you know five six seven years or so Stanford Oregon have had a lot of competitive games and Washington state has beaten Oregon several times. Now that was when Mike Leach was there and we'll see what Jake Dickert is able to do though. I think he's got the program 
certainly moving in the right direction and, and they will be a competitive team. But I, I just think that that's, you know, one, one thing that could really change for, for the Ducks as we look forward. If this move had been in place in the past, it would have helped Oregon. I'll tell you how after I tell you about Built Bar. I love brownies. You you love brownies. We all love brownies. Everybody with a brain, except my brother, loves brownies. He's way too picky. But you know what I love even more than brownies? Brownie batter. Sometimes I eat half the batter just while I'm making the brownies because, you know, everybody does. You could drink that. I mean, if there weren't raw eggs in there, we would all want it. Imagine if you could just lick that brownie spatula clean and get some protein. You're in luck because Built has a new creation and this one is better than ever. The brownie batter puff. You heard me right, Duck fans. This puff takes protein bars to a whole new level, and they're available right now on Built.com. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15. Get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, so if this rule had been in place in the past and the entirety of the, the Pac-12 conference since it became the Pac-12 when uh, when it went from the Pac-10, the Pac-12, adding uh, Utah and Colorado. I, I almost forgot Colorado there, almost. But they, they played in a conference championship game before. It would have helped Oregon quite a bit in, in the past. Now, there was one season where it would have hurt Oregon a little bit, and that was 2011. And, you know, this is kind of the other side of the coin because 2011 – when Oregon went to the Rose Bowl with Darren Thomas and LaMichael James and Kenyon Barner and DeAnthony Thomas and started the season with a loss to uh, LSU, ended with a Rose Bowl win against Wisconsin, uh, which, by the way, let's just keep scheduling non-conference SEC opponents against tough teams that we lose to in a, uh, a neutral site affair to kick it off, and then we just win the Rose Bowl at the end. Two for two doing that, just throwing it out there. Anyway, but in 2011, Oregon was number nine, and they ended up playing – a six and six UCLA team at Autzen Stadium. Now, it, it, the fact that the Pac-12 was in its very early stages is why it gets somewhat of a pass for playing a conference championship game at a team's home stadium. That's pretty ridiculous. But we, we've moved on from that. Vegas is a great venue. Allegiant Stadium is really awesome. Seating's a little confusing, uh, I will say. When I went there, I had uh, I, I had a little trouble finding my seat, and I've been to my fair share of stadiums, haven't had that trouble before. So I think that could be a little bit, a little bit more clear. But anyway, uh, overall, it's it's been a good move and will continue to be one for for the conference. The environment was absolutely electric. But that year in 2011, you would have taken on uh, number four Stanford in, instead of a six and six UCLA team, right? So that's also pre college football playoff. So the downside is Oregon has to play Stanford again, and that was an Andrew Luck Stanford team, and that was a very good Stanford team that the Ducks happened to beat down in, in Palo Alto. I was at that game as well. That was a really, really fun day. I was there with uh, with a few friends and my parents, and that was a that was a great, great weekend. Uh, truly, it was. That was uh, LaMichael running wild a little bit, had a 52-yard touchdown, I think, and DeAnthony screen pass on fourth and seven, and Josh Huff. Had a long touchdown as well. I think it DeWitt Stuckey had a pick six to kind of seal the game. Uh, it was like 51, 52-31, so, something like that and whatnot. But we would have been playing that team again instead of a 6-6 six and six UCLA team. The, the downside is that Stanford's a much tougher opponent. But the upside is if that had been happening within the context of the college football playoff, even though Oregon had two losses, if you win that game, then it would have been a pretty legitimate resume booster to have beaten that Stanford team twice. And that's kind of the, the other side of the coin is you can 
run into a tougher opponent than you would otherwise face and, and thus potentially deprive yourself of a chance at a conference championship. But it allows Oregon or any other team that gets in there, frankly, to be able to boost their resume late in the year. And doing it in a conference championship game is pretty significant because everybody's watching. And if you're going up against the next best team in your conference, you're not just proving that you're the best team in the conference that year, but you're also bolstering your resume in a significant way. So if you're kind of on the bubble of winning a Pac-12 championship and getting to uh, the, the college football playoff, right? If you're a team that's in that mix, as Oregon hopes to be, a win against a top 10, 15 opponent is going to do more for you than a top 25, you know, someone who's barely in the top 25 or not ranked at all and has just had, you know, a good run in conference play, maybe someone, someone like that. That's going to do a lot more for you. So I think that that's certainly the upside for for the Ducks. But th there were a couple other seasons where uh, it would have helped Oregon get into the Pac-12 championship game when they uh, otherwise didn't. But, you know, this, this is why divisions, I, I'm just not a fan. You know, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't allow for the two best teams to get there. And, and I think that's what it should be at the end of the day. You know, basketball is different because you're playing more games, but the the two hottest teams going into the Pac-12 basketball tournament are going to get to the championship game, right? And that's what March Madness is all about. It's all about getting hot, having momentum, playing well at the right time, and then capitalizing on that in postseason play in a one-and-done environment. And so I think for Oregon on, on the football field, you want to be playing the next best team because you want to actually know that you're the best team in the conference, right? Utah knew that they were last year because they smacked us twice, right? There was no doubt about that, okay? That's the sort of season that you're trying to have because if you're going to be a team that gets to the college football playoff, you shouldn't have to be thinking, oh, well, I, I want to play a weaker opponent who's just in the championship game by way of winning a division and that weird rule. Like that, that's, not, that's not the way we should be approaching that. If we want Oregon to get back to the college football playoff, which is something that is a very attainable goal, I think, for, for Dan Lanning and this new staff and a standard that, that we should hold them to in the coming years, we shouldn't have that mindset. It should be any. You think Alabama's ever worried about who they're going to play in the SEC championship game? You think Clemson cares which team they're playing in the ACC championship game or anybody in the Big Ten? No, like they want to play the best teams, and you should want to play the best teams. That's why I like that even though we lost to Auburn in 2019, we were willing to go out there and schedule them because we wanted to prove that we're able to compete with that caliber of a team. And this is a game that Oregon definitely should have won and ended up losing, of course, but. Again, if you're not able to win those sorts of games, you have to be in those sorts of places as a coaching staff and as a program, proper pronunciation, of course, uh, <laughs> you have to be in those sorts of places if you're going to if you're going to reach the summit in college football. You just you can't be afraid of that sort of stuff. I don't I don't think that's the sort of mindset that I want Oregon to approach it with. But uh, I, I got a little sidetracked there. But anyway, so th there were two instances where Oregon would have gotten to the Pac-12 championship game where they didn't because of the divisions format. Uh, the first one I'll mention is 2015. And I will reiterate once again, I will forever die on this hill. If Vernon Adams does not hurt his finger against Eastern Washington of all schools, Oregon gets back to the college football playoff. We probably be, probably beat Michigan State if he's not injured. And we certainly, you know, then he missed a few games in there. And Oregon ended up at nine and three and seven and two, I believe, in, in Pac-12 play but didn't get to uh, the, the conference championship game. We actually played spoiler that year for Stanford and kept them from reaching the college football playoff in, in that playoff formats 
uh, second year of existing in the college football landscape. But that year, it was number seven Stanford, and they played number 20 USC. I believe Stanford won with, with Christian McCaffrey, and then they went and thrashed uh, Iowa in, in the Rose Bowl. I believe that's that, that's the correct season. You can hop in the comments here on YouTube and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that I'm right there. That's a, that's a game that would have been Stanford and Oregon. So Vernon Adams would have been getting another crack at that Stanford team in the Pac-12 championship game with a chance to go to the Rose Bowl. But it didn't happen because we had divisions. So we had to have the North champion and we had to have the South champion as well. There is another season where Oregon would have been in the championship game. Maybe you can think about it. Think about it. Think long and hard. I'll give you a hint. Stanford is involved. I'll tell you the answer. After I remind you that our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, go Mariners, even though they lost 12 to 6 today after taking a 4-0 lead. Fights and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from playoffs to live betting esports and more head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action bet online where the game starts do you have it yet do do you know what year oregon would have been in the pac-12 championship game had this format of divisions not mattering so much been uh been gone away with or just never existed in, in the first place that was really good english by the way yeah it's 2012 it, it is 2012 a year in which Oregon uh, finished, I believe, is number, I want to say number four in the, uh, I think it was number four Oregon and number five Kansas State in the uh, Fiesta Bowl. That would have been a college football playoff team for uh, Chip Kelly and Marcus Mariota, most m- most likely, because I think if Oregon gets a rematch with Stanford, as they should have, you would have had number five Oregon and number eight Stanford in the Pac-12 championship game. Instead, you had number eight Stanford and number 16 UCLA and the Cardinal uh, once again, went on to win that one. So those are tangible instances in the past. And, you know, that's kind of backing up my case for why I think this is good for Oregon going forward, where if you'd had this system in place back then, and by the way, it would have changed five of the 11 Pac-12 championship games that have ever existed. Five, that's almost half of them. That's why this is just a, a smart move. You want to have the two best teams, but you haven't had them all the time. You could have had two really, really good Oregon and Stanford matchups in the championship games and, and instead, you know, that USC team. Yeah. I, I mean, they, they weren't bad. Uh, certainly maybe that was the year Darnold won. I, I don't remember. It all blurs together at, at this point, but certainly in 2012 Stanford against uh, number 16, UCLA, it would have been much better to see that, that Stanford team, which was very, very good go up against chip Kelly and, and Mariota once again, in what was a really good game in, in the conference. So, it, w- it would have helped the Ducks quite a bit. And, and just think about the, the point I made earlier about getting in the championship game and winning it and then, you know, potentially boosting your resume to get into the playoff. If you'd had the college football playoff and you had done away with divisions, I know we're a lot of ifs here, but I'm just supporting my claim with, with some evidence here. In 2012, there's a good chance Oregon gets into the college football playoff. Because remember, that was the only loss that that Oregon team suffered all year. And in the BCS, you were punished quite harshly for that. You were punished too harshly for that. Now, with the College Football Playoff Committee, there is much more room for you know a, a little bit of, of leeway there, so to speak. And if you come back and beat the team that beat you earlier in the season, like Oregon's College Football Playoff appearance, 
when we lost to Arizona, but we're still in the hunt and then came back, beat Arizona in the championship game, got Oregon back into, or got Oregon into the college football playoff. And I think that may very well have happened in, in 2012. So I, I think that's, uh, that's good news for the Ducks. And I, I'm glad that this move is taking place on a conference level, but I, I think it's good for Oregon as well. Can it be more challenging? Yeah, at, at times it, it can be because you're going to go up against second best team if you are able to to get to that level anyway. But I, I just think that if Oregon wants to be a, a program that is getting close to or approaching into the final four of the college football playoff, then you have to be able to win those sorts of games. And so I'm glad that those opportunities will, will be afforded to the Ducks and Dan Lanning and company. A uh, couple quick notes here to wrap up uh, the week here on Locked on Ducks. And I appreciate all of you liking and subscribing wherever you're listening to or watching the show right now. And if you ever want a question answered on the show, by the way, you can tweet with the hashtag AskLODPod or you can DM me at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks. DMs wide open. You can ask me a question about anything, preferably about the Ducks. But if you want to ask me a life question, heck, hop in there. I'll probably answer it. I'm uh, I'm not an amazingly private person, save for a handful of topics that obviously not going to tell you about. Um, uh, a couple of quick notes here. Uh, the Ducks added two punters after Will Hutchinson transferred, who was a punter. He appeared in the spring game and then he entered the transfer portal. We've added two punters because kaboom. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's that impactful, but uh, <laughs> one of them, I think at least one of them is a is a Juco guy, pretty highly rated recruit. I mean, you know, We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll just see how uh, how much or how often they play. I think one of them is also a uh, uh, potentially does a little bit of kicking. So, you know, pl- plenty of plenty of leg swingers back there for, for Dan Lanning and company and Joe Lorig, our, uh, our, our special teams coach. Uh, the last thing that I really wanted to close with today is I noticed courtesy of our friends at a bet online that uh, there are opening lines for college football, which is just over 100 days away. I can't wait. You can't wait. We can't wait. And I September 3rd is not only my birthday, but it is opening day in the Chick-fil-A kickoff down in Atlanta. I believe it's at the Mercedes Benz Dome. Don't quote me on that. But Oregon and Georgia, we've got an opening line. Now, just for reference, Oregon a season ago was 14 and a half point underdogs at Ohio State in the horseshoe. We all remember how that day went. Pretty great day. Pretty, pretty, pretty great day, I would say. Well, if the Ducks are going to pull an upset this year, they're going to be the underdogs against the reigning national champions in Atlanta, a neutral site. Yes, a, a neutral site in Atlanta against Georgia. It's like saying you go to Portland and play Oregon. Neutral site. Yeah, yeah. No, I yeah, I to- totally, totally buy that 100%. Uh, right now, the Bulldogs, according to Bet Online, favored by 16 and a half. That's not great. Uh, it, it's not great because that is indicating that the odds makers do not think Oregon has a great chance in this game, but they didn't think that last year either. So uh, crazier things have happened, although technically uh, this would be a little crazier because the line right now is a, a two-point difference. But I bring it up to just say I think that that's a little bit overvaluing Georgia the home field, I mean, they should certainly be favored. Defending national champions, they're, they're a great program. Not a program. They're a program. We're a program here at, uh, <laughs> at at Oregon and such. But I think that Georgia is going to be a very good team because Georgia is perennially a very good team, and they recruit at a high level, and they have a really good coach, and they have their quarterback back from last year. However, 
The reason I would say 16 and a half is way too many points, and I think is overvaluing them a touch, is what you have to remember about the Georgia Bulldogs from a season ago is they lost 15 players to the draft. Do they have a bunch of highly rated kids waiting in the wings to to take over the reins and you know establish another dominant defense and you know effective enough offense with some playmakers on the perimeter in the backfield? Yep, I have no doubt that they do. Haven't glanced at their roster, but I can just assume based on the recruiting rankings that they have those sorts of players. Experience still matters, though. In Oregon, yep, they're having some change. They're having some turnover. I understand that. I think that's why this line is so big at the moment. But I do not think that that is an accurate representation of where Georgia is compared to Oregon. I think 16 and a half is uh, is just a, a lot. That is a lot of points. And I think that if if Kayvon Thibodeau had been playing against Ohio State last year, I don't think it would have been 14 and a half. It probably would have been closer down to 13 or so. But without him, it looked like Oregon's defense was going to get worked. And they allowed a bunch of yards, but Ben, but don't break. Got a couple of stops down, down in the red zone and whatnot. But I, I think Oregon is going to be able to play Georgia much closer than that. They lost 15 players from a season. That's just a lot. That's so many guys. And it's an incredible number to have gotten drafted. And, uh, oh, by the way, they lost a defensive coordinator. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, but I, I I do. I do. I was there when that happened. And so I, I think that's a little bit big. And I'll, I'll be surprised if uh, if that uh, if that doesn't move at all in Oregon's direction in the uh, ensuing months leading up to the game. Because I think that Oregon is, has got a chance to be more competitive than that. Do I expect them to win? No. But I didn't expect them to win last year. Either I thought it was going to be about a 41 27 uh, Ohio State victory, and uh, alas, it was not. But I, I think 16 and a half, and then I think that's overvaluing Georgia team that, that has to reload it at a lot of positions. We'll still have a lot of talent, but they won't have all the experience. And I, I think Oregon's offensive line is not going to have to deal with, I know they won't have to deal with Jordan Davis, and I don't want to do that because that guy is a uh, mountain of a man. Well, that's not a mountain of a man, he's more like a mountain that ate another mountain and then grew the, to the size of three mountains. That's, that's Jordan Davis. He's six, six, three and 40 pounds, but Oregon doesn't have to block him. The offensive line alone, I, I think will help keep Oregon in that game, but all of that will continue to be covered as we uh, count down. I think we can uh, semi officially put the countdown on. We're at, I think 105 days or so. So almost to uh, almost to double digits. We're almost there, which is why you should like comment, subscribe content will continue to roll out this summer here at the Locked On Network. And thanks for making this your first listen. Go make Locked On Pac-12 your second listen of the day. I'm hosting over there covering the Conference of Champions. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks.